As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, what's the relationship between co-occurring disorders antisocial personality disorder, and criminal offending. Now, to answer this question about co-incurring disorders and antisocial personality disorder, I'm using an article that was published in 2015 by Ogloff and colleagues. And it looks at this really complex question about the relationship between these different factors. So I'm going to start with co-occurring disorders. So a co-occurring disorder is when there's a presentation that has both a substance use disorder and a mental disorder. Now there can be several substance use disorders, several mental disorders, but at least one of each of those categories has to be in the presentation for it to qualify as a co-occurring disorder. We know that co-occurring disorders are fairly common with major mood disorders. So a major mood disorder plus a substance use disorder. And we also know that co-occurring disorders are fairly common involving personality disorders including antisocial personality disorder. Now, criminal offending has been linked to co-occurring disorders. We know that the prevalence of co-occurring disorders in prison populations and forensic populations is somewhere between 70 and 80 percent. We also know there's an association between co-occurring disorders and violence, increased likelihood of being incarcerated, and increased criminal recidivism. Now, the association between mental disorders in general and violence is actually fairly low. It's a weak association. We know that for specific mental disorders, there is a higher risk of violence. But we also know that when substance use disorder is combined with mental disorders, that increases the risk of violence quite a bit. Now, why does this occur? Well, there are many theories about substance use disorders and violence. One is that the use of substances, including other effects like intoxication and withdrawal, may exacerbate mental health symptoms. Also, we know that intoxication is a major risk factor for violence. Another theory is that disinhibition plays a part. So with substance use, there's oftentimes increased disinhibition. So this would be an increase in impulsive behaviors. And we know that this has a link to criminal offending, specifically violent offending as well. 
So can we quantify this risk of violence with mental disorders? Actually, we can. We know the prevalence of violent behavior in individuals without any mental disorder is just over 2%. With substance use disorders alone, it's just under 20%. And with co-occurring disorders, it's around 22%. So quite a large difference between the without mental disorder group and the substance use disorder and co-occurring disorder group. Now, again, this is really just an association between these categories and violence. It doesn't mean that there's causality. There may be other factors that cause both the offending and the disorders. Now, specifically talking about co-occurring disorder that involves antisocial personality disorder, we know that there are particular risks with this combination. But first, I'll briefly go over antisocial personality disorder. With antisocial personality disorder, we see seven symptoms in the symptom criteria. We see repeatedly violating society's norms, so engaging in behavior that could be grounds for arrest. We see deceitfulness, impulsivity, irritability and aggression, a disregard for the safety of self and others, being irresponsible, and a lack of remorse. Now, we know that when we look at co-occurring disorders together with antisocial personality disorder, this is linked to more offending than just co-occurring disorders alone. Also, we know the combination of co-occurring disorder and antisocial personality disorder is more prevalent than substance use disorder with any other mental disorder, including any other personality disorder. So what do we see in terms of results from this particular study on co-occurring disorders, antisocial personality disorder, and criminal offending? Well, there were some interesting results, but first it's important to understand that this population was a forensic population and it was all male. And this sample was taken in Australia. So as with all studies, we have to be careful in how we generalize the findings. So what they found here is that 43% of their sample had antisocial personality disorder, about 78% of their sample had substance use disorder, and about 30% had co-occurring disorder, including antisocial personality disorder. So this could include individuals who had substance use disorder and some other mental disorder, as long as they had substance use disorder and antisocial personality disorder in that presentation. For the purpose of analysis, they broke down the sample into three groups. This first one I mentioned, the co-occurring disorder with antisocial personality disorder, also co-occurring disorder without antisocial personality disorder, and a group that had either no mental disorder or mental disorder only. So this would be the no co-occurring disorder group. And what they found here is that individuals with co-occurring disorders were significantly more likely to have a history of violent offending and significantly more likely to have used substances immediately before offending. Also, individuals with co-occurring disorders here were found to have a higher severity in offending, a higher likelihood of a history of incarceration, and a higher likelihood of a history of juvenile offending. There was no difference when it came to number of convictions, though. The majority of individuals in the co-occurring disorder group and the co-occurring disorder plus antisocial personality disorder group had a history of violent offenses. However, there was no difference between those two groups, the co-occurring disorder only and the co-occurring disorder plus antisocial personality disorder groups, in terms of violent offending. And this finding was a bit of a surprise. The last finding here that I'll cover is that the co-occurring disorder plus antisocial personality disorder group did have the highest rates of offending in general. So what we see here in terms of the results of this study is that we need to be alert 
when we see antisocial personality disorder and substances combined. It's a combination that has a connection to offending, to violent offending, and to increased involvement with the criminal justice system in general. What is antisocial personality disorder? Now, antisocial personality disorder is a mental health disorder that has been made popular in the movies and in television, and there's a lot of misinformation and misunderstanding about this disorder. There are a lot of criteria for antisocial personality disorder, and a certain number of these criteria the individual would have to have met since the age of 15. Now, what's unusual about this is that the diagnosis of antisocial personality disorder cannot be given to someone until they're 18 years old. So taking a look at the symptom criteria for antisocial personality disorder, first we have repeated acts that violate the social norms, that violate the norms of society. And these acts would be grounds for arrest. Many individuals with antisocial personality disorder have been arrested and incarcerated. Next symptom criterion is deceitfulness, lying. This is fairly common with this disorder. We also see impulsivity, irritability, and aggressiveness, including physical aggressiveness in many cases, a reckless disregard for the safety of others, irresponsibility, and this can be across one dimension or many dimensions, work irresponsibility, financial irresponsibility, and we see no remorse. So many individuals with antisocial personality disorder, when they commit an act that harms other people, they don't feel remorse. A lot of times they tend to blame the victim or imply that the victim deserved whatever was done. So we see a real lack of empathy. So as I mentioned, we see a lot about antisocial personality disorder in the movies and in television. And oftentimes they look at extreme characterizations of this illness including people that commit acts of extreme violence or extremely sophisticated types of criminal activity, like organized crime. However, a lot of the criminal activity we see in real life in mental health treatment would be more like fraud, more like manipulation and theft crimes. Certainly, more serious crimes are committed by many individuals with this disorder, but the majority of crimes we see are more based on manipulation, and theft than they are in some sort of physical aggressiveness and harming people. However, of course, there are, as I mentioned, a number of people with antisocial personality disorder that do commit severe crimes. And this becomes an issue for treatment professionals. A fair number of mental health treatment professionals, understandably, prefer to avoid treating antisocial personality disorder. There's the personal risk and the risk to people at the facility, but also there's this idea that antisocial personality disorder is extremely difficult to treat. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. My name is Bill Huffman, and I am a former Cleveland News producer, and I am now the host of the podcast, Who Killed? I began the show focusing on the unsolved murder of Amy Maholovic, and now each week I explore a different case with a focus on some of the victims who don't get the attention they deserve. I have a deep catalog of over 225 episodes, so there is a guarantee there will be something for you. Who Killed is an evergreen podcast killer podcasts, and slow burn media production. Subscribe today, wherever you get your favorite shows. Add on top of this, the kind of charming demeanor and the manipulation piece we see with a lot of people who have this disorder, and it only makes it more difficult to provide treatment. Now, with the prison population, with those that are involved in the criminal justice system, there are a few characteristics that we tend to see more often in those individuals. And that would be a lack of empathy, superficial charm, and an inflated self-appraisal. So those three characteristics we tend to see more with individuals involved in the prison system. Now, what causes antisocial personality disorder? We don't know. We do know there is a genetic component. We don't know what kind of contribution that makes in terms of a percent. There's no real precision there. But there is a biological component, and there are environmental components. There have been a number of events that have been connected to antisocial personality disorder, but we really don't know if they're causal. One would be malnutrition, another smoking during pregnancy. Uh, Another risk factor would be having one or both parents that have a substance use disorder. But the big one that we see repeatedly tends to be related to trauma. Child abuse seems to contribute to the development of antisocial personality disorder. Again, we can't be sure, but we believe that may be causal. Certainly, there's an association between child abuse and other early childhood trauma and the development of antisocial personality disorder. So, in the general population, about 3% of males have antisocial personality disorder and 1% of females. When we look to other populations, like those being treated in long-term substance use care facilities or those incarcerated, the percentages go up dramatically. For males, some studies show as high as 70% of individuals from those settings could have antisocial personality disorder. And specifically looking at prisons, there are some studies that show up to 80% of males in prison could be diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder. When looking at comorbidity for antisocial personality disorder, that is, other mental health disorders that tend to occur with this disorder, this disorder has high comorbidity with a number of mental health disorders. It's estimated that over 80% of individuals with antisocial personality disorder have a comorbid substance use disorder. About 50% have a comorbid anxiety disorder, and around 25% a comorbid 
depressive disorder. Another question I get fairly often related to antisocial personality disorder is how is it related to psychopathy and sociopathy? So just to give a summary, we view psychopathy and sociopathy a little differently. You can think of psychopathy as more biologically based and sociopathy is more environmentally based. And we think of some of the key traits associated with psychopathy versus sociopathy. We would think of psychopathy as inherited, so it's genetic as I mentioned, and individuals with psychopathy would be more cold and calculating and less emotional than somebody with sociopathy. So they would still oftentimes commit crimes and violate social norms, but they would think through the consequences a little more. And there's also this belief that somebody with psychopathy generally is at a greater risk to commit severe crimes. Now with sociopathy, somebody with sociopathy is more emotional. They have more mood dysregulation and they tend to be more impulsive. They don't think through to the consequences. We think of individuals with sociopathy, we think of them as more likely to commit less severe crimes and to get caught more often for the crimes they do commit because of the lack of planning. So more impulsive, less planning, and we think of it as being caused more by environmental aspects. So somebody with sociopathy would appear to have more problems with mood management than somebody with psychopathy. Also, we think of individuals with sociopathy as being less charming, less manipulative. Now, the distinction between sociopathy and psychopathy may be interesting and certainly plays a part in how we conceptualize antisocial personality disorder, but both psychopathy and sociopathy point towards antisocial personality disorder. So somebody with antisocial personality disorder would likely have sociopathic tendencies or psychopathic tendencies. It doesn't affect the diagnosis. Sociopathy or psychopathy has no effect on whether somebody has antisocial personality disorder. The official mental health disorder and the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, the DSM, is antisocial personality disorder. You could think of psychopathy and sociopathy as two sets of characteristics that appear to be distinct, but it has no bearing on the mental health disorder. What are the cognitive and emotional processing characteristics that we see with antisocial personality disorder? I'm going to refer to antisocial personality disorder as APD. And really, this is a combination of two separate questions submitted by subscribers. One about the emotional processing and one about the cognitive. So APD is a mental health disorder characterized by a number of potential symptoms, including lack of remorse, low empathy, a disregard for individual safety, mistreatment of individuals, repeatedly engaging activities that could be grounds for arrest, lying, fighting, and a lot of other symptoms that have an impact on society and, of course, on the individual. And, of course, we usually think of this impact as negative. APD has been associated with a lower level of agreeableness and conscientiousness on the five-factor model. But it's not clear how it relates to openness to experience, extroversion, or neuroticism. It may have associations with certain facets on those traits, but it doesn't appear to have a strong association at the trait level for those traits. Now, in terms of the emotional processing for APD, 
APD has been associated with a lower level of control over emotions and a lower level of insight into emotions. Also, we see a decreased ability to experience what are referred to as complex emotions, specifically guilt, trust, respect, and closeness. Now, findings in terms of APD and anxiety are mixed. Some studies show that individuals with APD have lower anxiety response, a lower level of anxiety. Other research shows that individuals with APD are much more likely to have anxiety. And some research indicates that 50 to 70 percent of individuals with APD will develop an anxiety disorder at some point in their life. Now, in terms of cognitive processing, I'll start with memory. Individuals with APD have a greater risk of experiencing difficulty recalling emotional information. And they tend to have a fairly good memory when it comes to negative affect, negative emotion, but a poor memory for positive emotions. Also, we see that individuals with APD inaccurately assess threats and have a diminished fear response. They also tend to have increased impulsivity, specifically looking at facets like lack of premeditation and high sensation seeking. Now, when we talk about APD, it's important to note that there is comorbidity with this disorder, and specifically related to emotional and cognitive processing. It's important to realize the role of substance use disorders and APD. 85% of individuals with antisocial personality disorder will have a comorbid substance use disorder. And we know that substance use disorders are connected with, are associated with, difficulties with emotional processing and cognitive processing. So it could be that with antisocial personality disorder, we see these deficits in emotional and cognitive processing. And it could also be that the substance use disorders play a significant role in this too. And with comorbidity as high as 85%, as I mentioned, it's really difficult to differentiate what's causing the processing difficulties. We do see even individuals who only have antisocial personality disorder, some of these deficits. But when you add substance use disorders in, it does become more complex to figure this out. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.